The Burger Krieg Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features drummer and vocalist Ricky Rochelle, of the New York-based Young Rochelles and the New Rochelles. Here's a song I never saw the Ramones. So, uh, the Burger Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast. We return through the three quarters of the way through season three. I'm bringing back Ricky from Young Rochelle's and New Rochelle's, a solo artist. He's, he has seems to have his hands in many pots, in, the, in punk rock pots, if you will. But uh, Ricky's back. We had some technical difficulties. He was wonderful enough and understanding enough to, to get this back so we can make it sound right. So, Ricky, welcome. Thank you very much for that intro, and uh, it's great to be back. How's it going? Things are well. It's uh, as we were talking about. It's Sunday. You're walking around. You, you said you're walking around, not Long Beach. Um, you're walking right now. Currently, you're in in transit. Yeah, I'm just walking around in my town of Long Beach, New York. It is Long Beach, New York, not Long Beach, California. Um, so Sorry. welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, Thank you. welcome back. Um, I, <laughs> I I know that we talked about it the first time. Uh, briefly, we talked a little bit about kind of the reaction that people give you when they see, oh, a singing drummer. This is an anomaly. Um, obviously, as as we had talked about, kind of a little bit about the history of, of you and, and playing drums, your musical career, I guess, uh, from, from a certain age. But when it comes to the performance aspect of it, do you find that it gets easier as you play live shows to sing and play at the same time, or are you still learning? What is that process like for you, performance-wise? Uh, well, I always like to think I'm sharpening my skills, but I think I've come a long way from the beginning. Um, you know, I was always a singer. I sang in the chorus in school since fourth grade, and I've been playing drums since I'm 13, so I've been doing both things for a long time. So putting it together uh, was kind of natural for me somehow. Um, I just kind of knew that I had to do it. And uh, when I was either I was singing backups in uh, other bands or what have you, um, I just knew that I had to do it and be good at it. So uh, I think I got pretty good. And um, it's not uh, it's not as hard as some people might think. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe my natural abilities allow me to uh, to do it. But uh, I'm just happy to get on stage and, you know, get on bigger and bigger stages. And I'm happy when uh, I sound good and people like it. That's awesome. Have you uh, have you ever run into situations where, you know, and maybe this is like some of the first projects or bands that you were you were in when you were younger, but was there ever an instance where you were just playing drums and you couldn't find a singer, and then it was like, well, I guess I'll sing and play drums. Like it had to, like it, it almost like out of necessity or in order for this project to work, like I have to sing and play drums. Like, did you ever come across any of those situations? Yeah, uh, I don't usually talk about it, but I was in a band called Project 27 from about 2001 to 2011. Um, the wow. singer of the New Rochelles was also the singer of that band. And uh, he sang, and I generally wrote the songs. 
And uh, so I was singing backups for that band, and then we made uh, the New Rochelles, and then out of necessity, when he moved to Florida, uh, Ronnie Rochelle of the New Rochelles and the singer of Project 27, we, uh, I started singing for Young Rochelle. So at that point, it was out of necessity because uh, he was my guy. Then once your guy moves, you got to do it yourself. So yeah, it it just it has to be done again in order for this project to work. Someone has to someone has to do it. Um, now it, I I don't know about you, but for for me growing up specifically like in Central New York area, there was never enough drummers to go around, and I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if like what what is the from a drummer's perspective. Why is that? Why is it that like drummers are this sacred lotus flower that there's not enough to go around? What is the deal with this shortage of drummers? And why are drummers <sighs> always in a million bands too? Is it because <laughs> of that? There's not yeah, enough drummers. Everyone scouts out drummers, and uh, I think you know. I think in a lot of ways, drummers are loyalists, or they should be. So when they're loyal to a band and they're good, people know it, and they try to nab them up. So yes, drummers are in a lot of bands, and uh, as for the shortage. Um, I don't know. I mean, drums are pretty cool. I'm surprised more people didn't play them, but it does seem like there are a lot of guitar players out there and, and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah. Now, when, when people come into your, your hometown, Long Beach, New York, not Long Beach, California, when people come, come to, uh, Long Beach, New York, um, are there specific spots that you like to kind of show them around like, Hey, this, like, what's the food scene like, uh, in your neck of the woods? Because I, I would imagine it's a little different. Like I'm up in Albany, so I'm guessing the food scene is slightly different, but what is, uh, what are some of your, 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 your better grub spots in, uh, in your neck of the woods? Okay. Well, Long Beach is like, uh, a long beach town. So like you could literally walk, you know, miles in one direction. It's kind of like a sort of a one direction town. Mm. Um, I live in the East end, people party out in the West end. And, uh, in terms of food, um, there's restaurants all along the strip, you know, from the East end to the West end. And, uh, the West end's got a lot of bars and stuff, you know, there's good bar and grill sort of thing. It's, uh, it's really like a beach town, you know, it almost is like Long Beach, California. I was telling you last time, um, I had just come back from Long Beach, California and, um, you know, that was a great place. And besides, you know, the weather was better, but, uh, it's sort of like, you know, a beach town. And uh, so that's why I got into the whole, uh, you know, punk scene, pop punk, skate punk, what have you. It kind of made sense coming from a beach town. But anyway, getting far from the question of food. Um, I mean, you know, we got good restaurants here. Um, sometimes I like to skip out of town to go to uh, White Castle. It's my favorite uh, fast food nice. establishment. But, um, nice. you know, I don't know. I would show anybody around who came to Long Beach and, uh, and show them the way, but all they got to do is go on Park Avenue, and uh, they'll find some really good food. Very cool. Now, speaking of uh, like kind of the the punk community, you know, the scene, if you will. If you were, let's put it this way, we're gonna we're gonna play a little mind exercise. If you okay. were, all right, if you were the supreme ruler of planet Earth for one day, okay, anything that says goes, okay. What is one aspect of the punk community at large that you would like to see change? And you would change if you had the opportunity to, I guess, make hmm. it change. That is a good question for the mind. Um, <clears throat> expand beyond black t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's one thing. I don't know. Add a little bit of color. Um, I mean, uh, I think, uh, Look, I think I think the punk scene has some flaws in it, 
but I, I think we're on the right track. I mean, everyone's trying to be a good person these days and uh, just be better than we used to be. And, you know, people are calling people out for stuff. And, you know, that has to kind of happen. Um, it has to start in the underground. And, uh, you know, look, if I if I cut you off my car or something, whatever, you can cut me off. <laughs> you can call me out. But it's like, uh, I, I think just, I think people are trying to be better people. And I think the punk scene needs that. And uh, I don't know if we ever lost our way. I think it's it's uh, getting back on track. So, uh, you know, just uh, add some color to your wardrobe, people. I don't know. I just uh, kept buying striped shirts and uh, I have a few of them these days and I just rattle through them. And once I run out, I hit the laundromat and and that's it. It's all stripes for me. It's all stripes for you. <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it was one of those things. I, I feel like I'm wondering if there's any punk bands that like their aesthetic was born out of like, well, you know, my grandmother bought me this sweater and I don't really know what to do with it. So it's going to kind of be a thing now. Um, I wonder if, if, any, if anything like that ever occurred. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I feel like some bands, it's like they'll wear stuff ironically, you know, to be like, hey, look at me. I'm wearing this. I'm dressed up like a lumberjack today and I'm going to play this show or whatever. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, good to, it's good to hear it's, uh, you know, your, your origins are a little bit more modest, uh, if you it will. It was pretty thought out. Yeah. I went to the well, I went to the store and I said, All right, we gotta have a look for this band, you know, something identifiable. And we went stripes and uh the other guys got some cool shirts too. So we, we ran with it. I mean, we've gotten criticized for it because, you know, I guess other bands have had stripes or uh what have you, but you know, we put the leather jackets over it and we do our thing. We don't we don't worry about what people say. Hell no. Hell no. People get people really gave you crap for that? Well, a little bit, because a couple bands have, have done things here or there. But you know what? That's what we wanted to do. We're the younger shells, and we got the stripes. Nice. You've earned those stripes, as as <laughs> as, as, as one could, as one could say. Um, Thank you. When it when it comes to, um, I I, I want to talk a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, you've you've obviously you've slowly been releasing uh, your solo record digitally today. Obviously, prior to this interview, I learned you're gonna you're pressing it to vinyl. It's gonna be released via Centric Pop Records next year. Congratulations! Um, Thank you. Now, the recording process, uh, d- despite what anybody tells you, yes, it's it's fun, but it's very mentally taxing at certain points. And I'm wondering through the process of of you having released recorded the or recorded and released these songs through that recording process was there anything new that you picked up on that you learned lessons that you learned through this process tell me a little bit about that if you can okay um yeah i guess there's always lessons that you learn uh, i i work with a couple of different engineers and everyone's different and it's interesting to learn from them um you know whether good or bad uh the things that they could do very well the things that need a little help and uh you know, I learned where I need help along the way, too. Um, but, uh, you know, I I made a goal of recording one song a month. One, recording, so writing, recording, one song a month. And uh, it is pretty taxing. And I've had to back off that goal since. But um, in terms of uh, in terms of being in the studio, yeah, I learned I learned a lot and I always have, and I've lived in the studio for years. Um, and you just learn little production techniques and you learn about people too, and you know, how to figure people out and you know, how much they understand you and how much they're into the project and all that chemistry kind of swirls around. And, uh, 
makes the makes the product. So uh, it's it's really quite fun. When it when it comes to people um, specifically, and you you know obviously you don't need to to mention any names, but like with past products or past products, yeah, past projects that you've been involved in, how how do you handle conflict or disagreements within like bands? Because I think the band chemistry, you know, people th- there's all sorts of like misnomers about bands, and they're all dysfunctional, which they 100% are. But like it's it's one of those things. I'm wondering how you how you've kind of handled conflict in bands, like in your past. Okay. In terms of past bands or yeah, now? Well, or? I mean, it can, it can be either or. That's why I said you don't need to mention any names, but just in general, uh, when it comes to conflict, disagreements, um, you know, within bands, how, how do you find yourself kind of navigating those waters? Um, well, I try, to, uh, I try to put forth some ideas, and if the ideas don't work, then uh, other people usually let me know or they think, you know, they've got a good idea too. And we just try to work together and uh, bounce off each other until we can go in a certain direction. And uh, I think for the most part, it's, it's worked well. Sometimes in bands, people don't care as much about what the direction is. You know, they just want to party and stuff, but you know, that might be more of a, uh, more of the old days. Once, you know, I'm in a band these days and these guys are pretty pro. Uh, they have good ideas and we're in a, a straight direction where everybody works and uh, takes different tasks if you will so um you know if there's ever if there's ever conflict then you know we just uh i guess take a breath and you know whatever it's uh just like everything when you're at work and you know someone's pissing you off or mm-hmm. whatever you just like uh you just try to get back to it when uh when everybody's on the same page and you try to continually get on the same page you know mm-hmm. i think that's uh i think that's good I, i've said this time and time again but for individuals that don't play music they only consume i think that's one of the things that often gets overlooked it's 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 easy it's easy to be in a band but it's hard to make the band work does that make sense like i i feel like that's something that's never fully understood and look i'm not saying that like you know everyone's everyone is an asshole besides me right but it's it's definitely you get three different egos you know sets of ideas um so to your point about like even with the engineer, you're talking about the engineer when they're into the project, when they, they have, they're excited about it, how invested they are. It's like all of that makes a difference, especially with, with a band, right? You know, if, if you're dealing with somebody that just wants to show up to the gig and get shit faced and play their set or whatever, it's like, what is the trajectory of this? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I like the band dynamic to be like, sort of like a family, you know, like not in a creepy way, but just like, you know, <laughs> these are your friends, these are your brothers. So it's like, you just want to do the best you can. You don't want to piss anybody off. And, uh, you know, if I ever have along the way, you know, it's just like, uh, just trying to get some points across, but you know how it is in, in work in life and family and bands, you know, everybody kind of gets on people's, uh, nerves once in a while. But, uh, as I said, more music will be coming out. So it's just, uh, you know, the more, the more things happen, the more you can tell people are getting along. And there's a lot of bands that have had a lot of output in uh, during this pandemic and it's a nice thing. So it seems like, uh, seems like people are getting along. You grew up in long Island. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what that was like growing up in, in a part of New York where there was such a horrendous 
happens we'll call it a happening if you will the amity the 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 slaughter at amityville right the amityville house amityville horror however you want to say that what was that like growing up was that like ingrained into you like what was that like being so close to the source i mean i'm about 40 minutes from there so it wasn't one of my usual hangouts but you know <laughs> when when we do go there you know to check stuff out um, it's funny, like there's cops there and, you know, they don't really want people really? being around there taking pictures and stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of, it's still like sketchy, you know, but somebody, you know, lives there now. Um, and, uh, I'm sure they don't like the attention or maybe they do, but it's not like a creepy Stephen Hill kind of right. house, uh, in, in terms of that he's looking, you know, he like almost wants the attention, I think with the bat fence and stuff up there in Portland, Maine, but down here, it's just somebody trying to live a private life. And I think that's why the cops are around. And, uh, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Cause we could uh, just go see it anytime. How did, so did you hear about that first at school or like, did your parents sit you down <laughs> at one point and be like, now listen, there was a terrible thing. Like, how did you find out about that? Because at 40 minutes, I would still say is you're not four hours away from it, you know, like it's not no. like a California situation where it's like, I'm up and I'm in the north part of California and something happened in L.A., you know, like you're close. I heard the movie first, honestly, you know, I was more familiar with the movie at the beginning. Interesting. And then I was like, oh, crap, this is like right here. And, uh, you know, one thing led to the other. But uh, no, it wasn't like it was written in the history books on long island that uh, the Abbey Hall house is uh you know the place to be but kind of figured it out that's cool did you uh did you ever end up reading the book i did not did no not. if i i don't know if you're into like i don't know if you're a reader or not but anyway <laughs> um the book is way better than the movie and i know that time and really? time again people say well but it's like specifically there's the way in which like they talk about the painted room the the secret room that they found in the basement that wasn't in the floor plans like that was extremely creepy just the way in which they describe like the flies in that one room like it's just for whatever reason and i read that when i was young because i was a fucked up child but like i read i mean stephen king has been an integral part of my i'm a big reader and that was like one of the big things yeah going to the library because i grew up in a semi-rural town i was that kind of a fucking loser so the reading was always a big part but anyway for somebody if that's you, cool man it, it could have been worse you could have been a, a worse kid yeah, yeah. I, I suppose you are correct um but i would i would i would recommend if you ever are, are in the mood for like something creepy that's you know not necessarily written in the history books you know you're it doesn't sound like your social studies teacher your history teacher was telling you about that in school but um it's a pretty interesting little story nonetheless even though it was a terrible terrible thing that uh that happened there um but uh yeah what do you think about um pet cemetery the book have you read that so very interesting so there are two stephen king books um i've read over 30 i think to date he's got 60 releases or something like insane um wow. pet cemetery and it are two books for whatever reason i've avoided them and here's why because first 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 of all pet cemetery obviously i i believe that that is one of his maybe with the exception of the new it uh releases when i was growing up pet cemetery was the gold standard for stephen king adaptations so mm -hmm. so and mind you now mind you i'm not saying the shining because that was not a stephen king adaptation that was a stanley kubrick movie but anyway right. um with Pet Cemetery, for whatever reason, I just I avoided those in particular. I think I was one of those. There's so much hype around that, so it was like 
I was just like, I will get to this eventually, but first I want to read Duma Key, you know, or what, you know, just Insomnia. Like I want to read these other ones. Um, have you, have you read the book? I have not. I have not. That's why I was asking you about it. But so are you going to read it? Or are oh, you yeah. not going to read this? Oh one? yeah. No, no, no. Oh. It's, I see the thing is, it's like, I'm looking at my hardcovers now and I have, let's see. I'm close to finishing what I own. I'm very close. I think I've got four books left. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I do intend to read it. And the thing is, too, it's like I've seen now both of the movies, the the one, the, you know, the classic one that that, you know, kind of put Ramones on the map for a lot of people with Pet Cemetery, the, the title song. Right. But it's like I do have yeah. the intention to read it. Um, but it's one of those things. I'm just I'm waiting. I, I don't know why. It's same thing with okay. it. Same thing with it. I feel like I've seen those movies. You know, obviously the first it was a TV miniseries. I've seen those so much that I have a very specific image in my mind. And one of the reasons why I enjoy Stephen King so much is he paints such a detailed image. He paints such a detailed picture of his story. It's a very, it's a very delicate but also very detailed tapestry that he weaves in his storytelling. So because I've seen Pet Cemetery so many times, because I've seen it so many times, I feel like it'll kind of fuck with reading it because I'm, I'm going to have a preconceived kind of thing. Like it sounds lame, but like I try and read the books first before I watch things. But Pet Cemetery, I saw at such a young age, you know, like. I was a kid when I saw that. I was still reading at that time, but like that was just on, right? So it's just I I I, I try and put I I'm delaying <laughs> I'm shirking my responsibility because I wanted I want to have time to pass before I read it so that I go in kind of with a, cl- a clean palate as much as I can, if that makes sense. That's totally understandable. You got to yeah. You got to watch it uh you know uh, read it rather with fresh ears and uh Fresh eyes, rather. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I need more coffee. But um, yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, there, I got a couple books on the shelf that I've been really meaning to read myself. And uh, you know, you know, when your friend like gives you a book, and then you're like not reading the book, and they're like, "How's the book?" And you're like, "Oh, I'll let you know." And then they're like following up, and you're like, "Oh, I got to read this book." So I'm kind of in that uh, phase right now. Um, just trying to cram everything in, you know, between releasing records and writing songs and going to work and working remotely you know how life is these days it's crazy do you uh do you find yourself thriving in that atmosphere or not the remote because like time now well i try to uh manage things yeah it's i don't know it i'm not necessarily a fucking social butterfly but it's like i like the separation of home and work you know literally going somewhere because it yes when i roll out of bed and walk in my office, quote unquote, my office, my other bedroom, second bedroom. It's just like, uh, I work, I find I'm working longer because I literally can, whatever. I don't know. I just, I like having that separation. There's, there's just time to decompress and all that, you know. There's definitely something to be said about that. And hopefully, uh, the world can normalize a little bit. I mean, I, I'm sure some people want to stay home completely and other people, you know, can't wait to go back so uh should be interesting how everything pans out and it's like it's one of those things it's like i'm thankful i you know i'm thankful that i still have a job and my my uh the the line of work i'm in was not negatively impacted but like yeah i'm over this working remote thing man (laughs) i know i know Uh, that's why you know it's good to reach out and uh, talk to people like you and you know talk to friends and 
and just everybody out there because, uh, you know, everyone's still existing. We're all still working through this and, uh, you know, nobody wants to be alone out there. And, oh, uh, you know, I check in on, on my people and stuff and my people, it sounds like I'm a cult, but, uh, no, I check, I check in on my friends and, uh, make sure everybody's doing good. So I think we still gotta, still gotta do that. Now, have you ever considered rearranging the stage setup so that you, that the drum kit is front and center and the the guitarist and the bassist actually set up behind you still with the amps ahead so you can so you can hear obviously but have you ever considered doing the old switcheroo uh, with the stage setup nah, I've never seen anybody do that and I don't I don't need uh, I don't need my ego stroke that much so I could say in the back I think acoustically there's a reason why the drums are Absolutely. are in the back it's a, it's a loud instrument and uh yeah, no, uh, I, I've considered singing, uh, just singing at certain points, and I did when the band first started, but we really just needed a, a drummer back there, too. So, again, it was out of necessity, but, uh, you know, more back in the day, I was like, oh, I kind of just want to sing, but here we are. Here here, here we are. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, you've, uh, you know, you're, you're a veteran of the scene. Um, we can call you a veteran, I suppose, or I will call you sure, a veteran. Sure. <laughs> um, now, sure. when, it, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to like, not even necessarily like tour stories, but if you can recall, what what are some of the, either the weirdest situations you found yourself in? Sketchy, <laughs> like, give me give me an example of of just some weird weird happenings that you've come across while on the road. Uh, okay, let me let me dig into my memory bank. Yeah. My memory is notoriously bad, but I will try since the dude, all the partying, you know, um, oh, dude, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, just, uh, having fun singing in people's backyards, you know, singing doo-wop with, uh, some of the guys in the band. That was a really good memory. I mean, we've been on stage and, and, you know, said some funny things here and there. And, uh, I mean, it just all has to do with, uh, with people and, you know, you know, the nighttime always helps and having a couple of drinks and relaxing and just meeting new people. Um, weird stuff. I don't know. I mean, there's, I, I had, uh, probably more weird moments, uh, in my teenage years with project 27. Um, and by weird, I mean, crazy. I mean, we were setting off fireworks in people's backyards and things like that. Having people's moms yell at us and get the hell out of here. Cause we were fucking shooting up fireworks on their property and, you know, just causing trouble. But I guess we grew up a little bit as, uh, as all people must as the years go on. And, uh, you know, it's fun to see other, other bands do weird things too. And, uh, you know, everybody, I don't know, the punk scene is very open to, to weird stuff. And that's, uh, it's pretty cool. I like that. That's always been, uh, I don't know. I have a, I have a big imagination. And when you see people doing the things that you think about, it's pretty fun. Yeah. What's in in with imagination and stage performance and just anti—not even stage performance. We'll just call it antics. I feel like every like bands just continue to find ways to not even one up, but it's like, who thought of that? You know, like, and, and I know with like with like Scott bands, for, for example, it's like when there's exponentially when there's more people on stage, that's more bad ideas that can be birthed because there's more human beings that are putting their, <laughs> their heads together to come up with nonsense to do. But uh, I like the fireworks thing. I like the fireworks thing, whether it's even whether it's mid set after before it's fireworks are great anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think 
I think somebody gave us a teddy bear uh, a long time ago as, as like a gift. And one of the guys in the band just like ripped it up. I don't know. It's fucking neat. Nice. I don't know. It was it was funny. It was funny at the time. But, you know, in 2021, everybody's uh, everybody's nice now. And maybe maybe that's better off. It's a, uh, a Ted Lasso world and everybody's everybody's smiling and all that stuff. But, you know, we had some funny, funny times on the road. It was it was punk rock. You know? Oh, yeah. Now, give me a this will be the moment. Uh, tell me kind of where we can find you on social media um etc just kind of those those specific plugs and then i'll i'll lead us out with our final question all right yeah i uh so i'm putting out my album as you mentioned as ricky rochelle and the album's called so far so good it's going to be pressed to eccentric pop records next year on vinyl that'll be in 2022 i'm looking forward to that in the meantime i'm digitally releasing all the singles so those are coming out check those out online uh you know i'm at ricky rochelle i'm also in the young rochelle's we got a bunch of stuff coming out. And, uh, of course, the new Rochelles we mentioned. Um, our latest project was Animal Boy uh, by the Ramones. And, uh, yeah, so and also check out Rookie and Rocky's new band called Pep Talk. Uh, there's a little plug for them, too. And, uh, yep, we're all online. You can find us anywhere. Nice. Now, your, uh, I guess what, uh, not your latest single, um, but one of the more recent ones from October, Yeti in the Snow. Um, It's great. I love any homage to monsters, creature features, etc. It's just, it's classic. Punk rock and that type of stuff go hand in hand. Now, I found it interesting, not only because the song's awesome, but I had seen the, the, the social media post that video was put together by Thomas R. Smith, animator for uh, The Simpsons, Robot Chicken. Uh, how did that come together? You got to <laughs> please tell me how that because it's all. I mean, the sure. video is great. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so the week before that, just to uh, back up a second, I made a video for All She Needs, and uh, Rochelle's filmographer Sean Colgan uh, put up that video. Uh, made that one, which is awesome. So, um, you know, I'm happy with that All She Needs video, but also, yeah, Yeti in the Snow. Um, you know, I kind of just believe that I could, I could just figure out whatever I need to figure out in life. So I'm like, I want to make a really cool video and I got to reach out to somebody who does it. So I Google claymation and went on, uh, one of those sites where, you know, college kids or just anybody, you know, makes videos and art and stuff like that. And he actually approached me, Thomas what? R. Smith. And he was like, uh, That's you awesome. know, I think I could do a good job for you, you know? And, uh, we went back and forth and then, um, Long story short, I was just like, all right, I want to sign on to this project. Uh, it sounds really cool. And, uh, you know, you've seen it, of course. It's uh, it's better than I expected and um, really happy with that video. So uh, Blank TV has been putting the videos up, so they've been cool. And, you know, too many people to shout out, but a lot of people have been very cool with reviews and uh, and posting my stuff up recently. So I, I want to thank all of them. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, check out Yeti in the Snow. So just just briefly, a follow up: Were you in this? Like, were you part of that uh, the video shooting process? I know that obviously there was the the picture that was taken from like the the studio. Were you there for that? Because I know with Stop Nation, that probably took them what like uh, three days to film. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean it's it took him uh, it took him three months to make or so. I mean Whoa. he was working on it. You know, I, I don't know if he was doing it in days or nights or whatever, but he was out on the West Coast in California making that video. 
not exactly sure where he's from, but I'm pretty sure he's a California guy. Uh, but in New York, uh, for me, I was not out there with him. But uh, I appreciate all the still shots he sent me. And, uh, you know, I wish I could have been there, a fly on the wall. Yeah. But uh, I got to see the finished product. So uh, I'm very happy and grateful that I got to work with him. And, uh, yeah, that's that. No. 